there is a survey that we take today. It's a, a private survey, and uh, everyone here would be asked the same two questions. Uh, the first question that you'd be asked if you were in this uh, survey today is, uh, do you appreciate the members of your family? And then the second question that we would all be asked is, do you feel appreciated by your family members? And if we were to take this survey, uh, research tells us that uh, we would get an interesting result. And uh, if we tallied up the responses, we'd find that just about everyone says that they appreciate their family members. But very few of us say that we feel appreciated by our family members. And what this survey shows is that it is pretty common for uh, us to say that we appreciate our family members, but it's rare for families to actually express value and appreciation to each other in a way that actually makes people in the family feel appreciated. Because it is so rare for family members to feel appreciated, there are people here who say, you know, I work myself to death for people in this house, but they take it all for granted. Or you say, you know, I work really hard so that my family can enjoy the best things in life, but do I get thanks? No, just complaints that I'm not around home enough or I don't do enough around the house. Mom and dad nag me all the time. They nag me about schoolwork, about my clothes, and about my room. It doesn't matter. Whatever I do, it's not good enough for them. These feelings of being unappreciated create this negative spiral where people in this family feel less and less attachment to each other and feel more and more anger and disappointment toward each other. But you know what? We can learn how to reverse that spiral. We can learn how to create a positive spiral where everyone in the family considers home to be that place more than any other place where they are built up. And home is that place where they, more than any other place, they're valued and they're appreciated for who they are. So how do we do it? Well, from the Bible, let me offer some ideas for how to build up at home. First, eliminate the appreciation killers. You know, there are several habits common to many homes that kill affirmation in the house, such as negative communication. Uh, scripture tells us that you can't build someone up if your words are tearing them down. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, God's word says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Unwholesome talk is an appreciation killer. And uh, let me give you an example of it. For instance, there is the unwholesome talk of put-down humor. All families should laugh with each other, and all families should have good-natured inside jokes. But here I'm talking about families that make each other the butt of mean-spirited humor. 
when the so-called humor in the family is that the women in the family are stupid or the men are idiots or dad makes jokes about mom's cooking or mom makes jokes about how dad does not make enough money or brother calls sister ugly or the other way around. It's not funny. It's unhealthy. You know, where do we get this idea that put-down humor is how families uh, communicate? TV, TV sitcoms and uh, TV movies. And we see so many things on the screen of families who seem to put each other down all the time and get a laugh, uh, but yet their families still seem to love and appreciate each other. You know why? It's not real. It's not real. In real families, when there's put-down humor, it hurts and it tears down the whole home. Another form of uh, unwholesome talk is speaking in careless words. Uh, Family members cannot throw around wounding words and expect their home to be a place where people feel it's safe. You know, spouses need to be very careful about the words they let come out of their mouth in a heated moment. Spouses Parents need to eliminate phrases that, oh, they're very common in houses today, but they're so destructive. I'm talking about phrases like, what's wrong with you? Or, are you stupid or something? Or, I've had it with you. If you break down these phrases and think about them, they're just packed with destructive power. Students, would you say to your parents, I can't stand you. Or you say to your brother or your sister, get out of here, you loser. These words are like poison in the family drinking supply. And it weakens the whole home and tears people down. The next category of unwholesome talk is much more subtle. It is the issue of low estimations. You know, there's a class of experiments that uh, those of you who are professional educators, you'll be very familiar with. These experiments are called student performance based on teacher expectation studies. And in these studies, the administration at the beginning of the school year will sit down with Mrs. Jones and say, oh, Mrs. Jones, uh, we want to talk to you about your third grade class. Uh, This year, uh, You have 15 students who are real sparklers, and here's their name. But um, we also have a list here of the other half of your class. There are 15 foot draggers, and they're really going to be a challenge for you. What Mrs. Jones doesn't realize is that she's part of an experiment, and the truth is that these kids have been chosen in a random A-B-A-B kind of uh, fashion, and this experiment has been repeated hundreds of times in hundreds of places around the world, and the results are always the same. At the end of the period, the researchers examine the grades that Mrs. Jones gave her students, and they fall into the perfect A-B-A-B pattern. At the end of the testing period, sure enough, the 15 sparklers are sparkling. And the 15 foot draggers are dragging. And when Mrs. Jones is told that these foot draggers are, were just randomly selected, she says, that's impossible. How can that be? 
I mean, these tests are objective. Either they got the word spelled right or they got the word spelled wrong. Either the math answer was right or the math answer is wrong. If anything, I worked harder with these challenging students. And what the experiment reveals is that these students end up conforming to Mrs. Jones' expressed or unexpressed estimations of her students. There was something about the tone of her voice or the lift of her eyebrow that made the sparklers know that they were sparklers. And that there was something about the way she approached the other 15 students that said that she thought that they were foot draggers, and so that's what they did. These student performance experiments pack a potent lesson for us in our families, which is my family members rarely rise above my estimation of them. Parents, it is so important to verbally affirm your kids, but encouraging words cannot undo the damage of your internal estimations. If you consider your child a disappointment, your child will likely be a disappointment. If you treat your child with suspicion and distrust, eventually your kid is probably going to say, I must be untrustworthy and live like it. But the student performance experiments actually teach two truths, right? That low estimations are self-fulfilling, but so are high estimations. You know, if you know the Old Testament, you know how the faithful patriarchs had a practice of gathering their children and their grandchildren together and then blessing them. Uh, In one dramatic example, Jacob uh, calls his grown son Joseph uh, to come and bring his kids with him. And so in Genesis chapter 48, verse 9, Jacob said, Joseph, bring your sons, my grandsons, that I may bless them. And so then Jacob speaks these words of high estimation for these kids. And we know that it had a powerful effect because these two kids became two of the 12 tribes of Israel we're still talking about today. The word blessed just means to think well of and speak well of someone. And so long before the student performance experiments, the Bible was teaching that there's an immense positive power in having a high estimation of others and then expressing it in the form of a blessing. Parents, whatever age your kids are, bless your kids by thinking well of them and then expressing your high estimation of them. And there are so many ways to communicate this, even beyond just words. I know of a dad who thinks of his toddler son as a superhero. And so he treats his son uh, like a superhero and lifts him up with these high estimations. And this dad also happens to be in the film industry. And so whenever he takes uh, home movies of his toddler son, well, take a look what happens. Oh, 
See you, buddy. Um. What? Oh, buddy, 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 wait. Mm. Okay. What do you have? I have some stuff Nice. You remember how to use it? There's a dad who uh, thinks of his son as a superhero, and you say, well, when this kid grows up, he's going to need a super psychiatrist. Now, you may be right. You may be right. But the point is, is that building up at home starts with having a high estimation of each other, not having low estimations, because you can smell it in the home. Students, if you treat your parents uh, like they're a nuisance to you, they probably will be. But if you treat your parents like they're wise superheroes and ask them for advice and then take their counsel, do you know what your parents are going to say? They're going to say, man, we did a great job raising this wise kid. I guess we can trust this kid with more responsibility. He's only 13, but he can take the Tesla. All right, so uh, in the same way, parents... You do that with your kids, but spouses, husbands and wives who treat each other with superhero kind of estimation bring out the best in each other. So bless each member of your family because your parent, your child, your spouse typically will never rise above your estimation. So the first part of building up is to kill the appreciation killers. The next idea is to move toward becoming a strength-based family and not shame-based. Researchers have found that all families fall into uh, one of two predominant interaction styles. Uh, They adopt either a strength-based interaction style or a shame-based. Unfortunately, many families fall into this shame-based category, where shame-based families focus on each other's perceived weaknesses, attempt to change each other's weaknesses, and do it by criticizing, guilting, and nagging. For instance, in the typical shame-based family, mom critiques dad for spending too much time in the office. Dad critiques mom for uh, being... Uh, So cheap that she's not only squeezing pennies, but she's squeezing all the life and fun out of the family. And then both parents criticize daughter Jessica because she talks too much on the phone. What's the result of all this shame-based critiquing? Does anyone grow or change? No. When mom nags dad for spending too much time in the office, does he want to come home earlier? No. Does complaining uh, about mom's saving efforts make her feel appreciated? No. When parents criticize Jessica for talking too much, does that make her stop? No. She just takes her calls in secret and gives her parents the silent treatment. Focusing on weaknesses 
in a shame-based approach doesn't change anyone and just causes each family member to feel unloved and unappreciated. You know, I know spouses who pray for each other. Uh, They pray for their spouse to change into somebody else instead of praying that God would help them be that mate that appreciates the spouse God gave. God wants to teach me how to love my family the way God loves me. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, Now about love, we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God how to love each other. If I'm his child through faith in Jesus, God loves me along a strength-based approach, not a shame-based model. And this is the way God wants me to love my family members. God loves me with a strengths-based approach. God knows that I'm good at some things. He calls those things spiritual gifts. But God doesn't shame me for not having other gifts. And in those places where I need to grow or change, God doesn't do it by critiquing me and criticizing me. Instead, God affirms me by calling me up to who he's created me to be in Christ. And in a few moments, we're going to participate in a family meal where those who follow Jesus will take the bread and take the cup that reminds us that we are a family of God Loved unconditionally by this father who says there is no condemnation for my kids, no shame for my kids because Jesus died to rescue us from all that. God wants to teach me how to show this kind of unconditional love to my family members in a strengths-based way where a strength-based family studies family members for their God-given strengths and then focuses on affirming each other's strengths, encourages growth in the context of those strengths, and then watch this, whenever possible, addresses weaknesses in the context or as just the downside of strengths. Do you see where this is going? There's a good chance that the thing that my family member, that I consider their greatest weakness, is actually the flip side of their greatest strength for which I should be showing appreciation. Dad's hard work at the office is a reflection of his strength of diligence and properly appreciated. He'll turn that diligence to time at home. Mom's Being a penny pincher is an expression of her analytical strength. And when properly appreciated, she can apply that to researching exciting opportunities for the family. Jessica's phone talking is an expression of her people skills that properly appreciated makes her a delight at home as well. The weaknesses I want to change in my family members are usually the flip side of strengths that I should be appreciating and affirming in my family members. And this is a 
powerful insight that, frankly, I have not mastered yet. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, my family and I went to uh, the Big E in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. And if you've never been to the Big E, it's part amusement park uh, for the kids and part home product demonstrations for the adults. Uh, As soon as we got out of the car, my son started saying, when are we going to get to the rides? When are we going to get to the rides? And I said, hey, we'll see, because the first thing you walk into is the pavilion for the home products demonstrations. The rides are on the other side of the grounds. And when I walk into the pavilion, the first thing I see is this guy demonstrating this amazing mop. He puts down this Vaseline and bacon grease on the hardwood floor and this mop cleans it up like magic. And this mop was so amazing. I had to buy one uh, because, uh, well, Jen and I were, we were having our anniversary in a couple of weeks. And uh, actually I bought two, uh, one for my wife and one in case the first one breaks. So, uh, And there's Parker again saying, Dad, when are we going to get to the rides? When are we going to get to the rides? And I got upset with my son, and I was about to shame him for being an impatient person, and and impatient and ungrateful. But then I realized this is just the flip side of his strengths. Parker is a planner. And uh, this impatience that I saw as a weakness was really the flip side of his desire to know what was going to happen and be part of the planning process. And so I took out the big E map and uh, together we planned uh, the route that we would do to see the things we wanted to do and the rides that he wanted to do. And we got it. He he did the planning and we had a great time. Me and my mops, we had a great time. Uh, So... I'm learning how fun it is to be a strengths-based family and not a shame-based family, which leads to one final suggestion. Express. Express appreciation for the members of your family. It is pretty common for families to say of each other that they appreciate. They say they appreciate each other. But it's so rare for family members to actually feel appreciated. The reason for this is because so often we don't express well enough or often enough the appreciation we really do feel. So in the quiet moments that will begin right after I pray, spend some time with God. Just asking God to teach you again how to express appreciation to the people in your life. You know, here's a little... uh, a little model, maybe that will help you spark some ideas. Express appreciation by saying, something that I really admire in you is, or something I really love about you is, or I want to thank you for, or just, I appreciate you, and then explain why. You can be the one in the family to reverse the spiral and actually create a positive spiral of appreciation. You can be the one who starts the blessings that come when you build up at home. 